1: After the Apocalypse, A Pandemic Survival Story, Season 4, Episode 9, The General. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. THE GENERAL FINISHED HIS MORNING PRAYER, LIFTED HIS HANDS FROM THE WELL-WORN LEATHER-BOUND BIBLE, AND FELT THE PEACE OF THAT PRACTICE IN HIS SOUL. THE BIBLE WAS A GIFT FROM HIS WIFE WHEN THEY FIRST GOT MARRIED. SOMETIMES THEY PRAYED TOGETHER IN THE MORNINGS. THE PRACTICE CEMENTED THEIR PARTNERSHIP. IT GOT THEM THROUGH THE HARD TIMES and there were plenty of hard times to be gotten through in a soldier's life. Prayer remained part of his morning routine. It calmed his mind for the toils and turbulence the day might bring. It centered him. He did not consider himself a philosophically religious man, but his religious practice was part of his "'Duty, duty to his wife and his country. "'He had learned that habits were an important part of leadership. "'Habits were a strong scaffolding to buttress against the fallibility of man. "'His wife was gone now, "'one of the multitude that the plague had sent to the next world.' But duty remained. Habit and duty. The virus had taken a toll on him. He was a large man, but fit. He prided himself on presenting well to the world. Other officers had let themselves grow soft, hiding their loose paunches under their desks. Not him. Not General George Ottweiler. Part of his morning routine was his fitness practice. One hundred push-ups. One hundred sit-ups. One hundred squats. It pained him. THAT HE HAD FALLEN OFF THIS ROUTINE WHEN FIGHTING THIS VIRUS THAT HAD TRIED TO KILL HIM, TOO. BUT HE WOULD GET BACK TO HIS HABITS NOW. THEY WERE PART OF HIS LIFE. HIS HABITS ENABLED HIM TO TAKE ON THE DUTIES OF HIS CAREER AND LIFE. HE NEEDED THAT NOW MORE THAN EVER. Habit and duty were the solid foundation upon which the strong would stand in this new world. The general was in his late fifties, still with a full head of white hair, cropped close in an army standard high and tight. He still wore his pressed uniform and a "'Heritage Green Army Pullover. "'The pullover was regulation. "'He found it helped with the occasional bounce of chills "'that still racked his body. "'His service cap sat dutifully off to the side of his desk. "'There was quick movement in the periphery of his vision "'outside the window, a flash of brown.' It drew his attention, an ancient quirk of humans, as both predator and prey. It was hardwired in their DNA. A movement just off to the side was enough to override all purposeful thought and focus, like throwing a switch or shooting a flare. His amygdala, that ancient animal part of his brain, Demanded his attention. Fight or flight? Humans, he mused, had become apex predators, but were still wired for fear. Now that the plague dethroned the human race, they might find themselves in need of those fast prey reflexes once again. The general's desk looked out over a grassy quadrangle from the second story. From here, he could see the weather, and he could also surveil anyone approaching the building. He liked this practical combination of aesthetics and function. One of his staff had set up a small garden plot in the northeast corner of the quad— with the adjacent fence protecting the area from the north wind. A few straggly tomatoes and onion sets struggled to prosper in the weak soil amidst the weeds. In normal times, before the apocalypse, he would not have allowed this non-official use of the grounds— In normal times, it all would have been close-cropped and kept neat by recently disciplined privates assigned to policing duty. He was a by-the-book person. Rules and regulations were there for a reason. But there was nothing normal about these times. And... If it helped the mental fitness of his survivor to pound in some steaks and section off a few square meters of ground with chicken wire for cultivation, so be it. There is an exception for everything, is what his old sergeant major used to tell him, usually shortly before suggesting something command definitely wouldn't sign off on if they knew about it. But now he was in command. Eventually, Lord willing, they would get back to a well-maintained and properly policed world, and he would have that garden plot removed. But now was not the time. With so few people left on his staff he made these short-term exceptions. If they needed to play at gardening to deal with the death and loss of the apocalypse, let them have a garden. The general was smart enough to know that he needed them mentally fit. Heck, there might even be a fresh tomato or two. That would lift their spirits As much as he believed in discipline and was a stickler for order, he knew he needed to choose his battles. You didn't rise through the ranks to base command without knowing how to play the long game. Sometimes you negotiated in the present, but you always kept your eye on the future.' And now, if they were to have a future, it would take everything he had, all his energy, all his skill and the hand of Providence. There was the flash of movement again outside the window. It was a hawk. "'The raptor swooped down from the roof edge of the building "'towards a makeshift garden. "'It glided beautifully, "'with its soft brown and white tail feathers splayed "'and talons extended. "'A silent assassin. "'The hunting bird dove and struck with a thump amidst the tomato plants. "'A bit of brown dust puffed up from the weeds into the air.' "'and drifted slowly through the chicken wire. "'After a few moments, the bird beat its wings and rose from the garden, "'heading towards the trees, its emotionless eyes unblinking, "'a twitching rabbit clutched in its grip. "'The healthy hawk was a powerful thing to see.' The general was glad his attention had been drawn to it. That's inspiring, the general said conversationally to a snoozing dog on a dog bed by his desk. Left alone, nature takes care of itself. The way the world had always been, the cycle of life. "'The strong feed on the weak, the maker's design, manifest. "'The dog, a large pit bull bitch, overweight and piebald, "'looked back stupidly from drowsy eyes "'and thumped its tail stub twice against the cushion. "'The general returned to his work.' He needed to be strong. He needed to focus. He needed that strength and focus to rescue the world from this plague and bring it back in line with what was right. The documents he had in front of him were known as the COG or Continuance of Government papers. They had been written by bureaucrats and administrators, purportedly for this exact purpose. They weren't much help, but when had bureaucrats ever been of any use, except to get in the way and gum up the works? except to tell him he couldn't do the right thing because it might offend someone. He searched and searched through the pages and pages of sealed instructions stamped top secret in red typeface, supposedly written to ensure that the United States of America would continue to function as a polity. "'He found nothing that imagined the situation he was in now. "'The general coughed up some phlegm and spit it into a handkerchief. Nine months on, and he still wasn't fully healed from the devil's plague. "'His lungs were scarred and his head was foggy. "'One of his eyes was palsied out at an angle from some (laughs) neurological damage.' He had been tested, but he was strong. He'd beaten it. Most of those weak, godless politicians in the bunker hadn't, but he had. He felt a moment's flash of pride in his resiliency. He'd proved his strength now to make something of it. These documents had been written in the 1960s and maybe updated a couple times since. They assumed a nuclear war with the Soviets or China. They were mainly focused on making sure there was enough command and control left to hit that shiny big red button that would launch the counter-strike. Mutually assured destruction was only a deterrent if the other side knew you would get your revenge. Dead hands from the grave, launching a retaliation to make sure everything was good and dead." the general had trained for and had been prepared to execute that contingency he would have done it he had no qualms about incinerating a few hundred million godless communists "'When the alerts about the unfolding pandemic came from Washington, "'he had done his duty. "'Duty always came first for the general. "'Even when they had sent him to this backwater posting, "'simply for expressing his beliefs, "'he still believed in and did his duty.' "'because his duty was to his country, "'and if that meant dealing with the fat-ass politicians of the beltway, he would. "'It had to be part of some greater plan that he was one of the few survivors, "'and all those greasy bureaucrats had drowned in their own juices.' While those paper-pushers in D.C. all died, he, who they tried to isolate and ostracize in this Appalachian backwater, had survived. He was grateful for the company of the dog. She appreciated the importance of routine and habit. Looking at her, he said, "'What say we push the big red button just for fun, huh, Maisie?' "'The dog thumped its tail stub again, "'rolled over onto its back and showed him the pink skin of his belly. "'He was, after all, the man who now sat on a good portion "'of the nation's nuclear stockpile at the Oak Ridge facility.' He could, if he chose to, make a very big radioactive crater. The survival bunker that he was responsible for was designed to hold over 1,800 members of the government, army, and noteworthy civilians in a national emergency. When they had finally closed the door on that fateful day there were just under 400 guests an odd mix military local politicians and their families civil servants a state senator or two all crammed together in the cold war sterility of the sealed bunker waiting for the plague to blow over They started dying as soon as the door was latched. Within days, they were forced to reopen the heavy steel blast doors. There were forty five survivors. All had been ill, but forty five survived. They had to come out. 45 six survivors could not be stuck in a locked box with a couple hundred stinking corpses nothing in the readiness document anticipated the way it would turn out now here he was he had survived his wife had not He glanced at the worn Bible on his desk and looked quickly away. It had been touch-and-go. He had been in a coma for days. If it weren't for Angel surviving long enough to hook up an IV with a banana bag, he'd have died right then and there. But someone had other plans for General george Ottweiler. god had work for him he had not escaped without damage the plague still lingered in him he had survived but the damn virus had taken much from him now he had to be strong to rebuild TO MAKE A NEW UNITED STATES OF AMERICA. PART OF THE COG PLAN WAS A COMMUNICATION NETWORK. HE DISCOVERED THAT HIS BUNKER WASN'T THE ONLY ONE WITH GOVERNMENT SURVIVORS. HE HAD BEEN IN CONTACT WITH THE OTHER BUNKERS. SOME WERE STILL TALKING. SOME HAD GONE DARK ALTOGETHER what had happened to those had all the people died did the equipment fail did they forget the network codes or did they abandon the facility when everything crumbled and died around them had the few survivors of those silent places taken what they could carry and sealed up the corpses behind them, left their bunker in the care of ghosts, those that were still online were in bad shape. It hadn't helped that the bunker guests were disproportionately old men who were already weak, weak paper pushers. But hadn't that been the bane of the old world. So few men of action, so few with the strength to get things done, and so few had survived. The chain of command was gone, the conceit of the COG plan, that the bunkers would be operational and in coordinated communication. That— turned out to be pure bureaucratic fantasy. The likelihood of a higher-ranking officer or official being alive was very slim. The general was resolute in his duty. He need not speculate about who had the higher rank. He knew the truth, and none of that Mattered this plague had not been some random natural event. No, it was clearly God's will, it was clearly an angry God declaring that man had gone astray of the true path, the path of the righteous. The general hadn't survived. He had been chosen, chosen to rebuild the world the way it should be, the way it used to be. When he was a boy, he remembered standing tall in elementary class and shouting out the Pledge of Allegiance while the rest of the kids mumbled along before some socialist lawyer's took that away, and made the country just a bit weaker. He had been chosen. He would rebuild. He would remain at his post and work. Even in the sickness, he knew he wasn't going to die. He was meant to survive, to carry forward. This... "'was what he had been put here for. "'It was time to sweep the dead bureaucrats under the rug "'and start afresh, to bring back national pride "'and personal responsibility and honor and faith. "'He had the power of will and strength of faith "'to fulfill this mission and to inspire others.' Out beyond the fence was a scar in the hillside, a place where they had peeled back the red clay with the tractor and buried the dead of the bunker. Like so many fat and greasy seeds that would never grow, they had buried the dead and with them the world as they knew it. With so many dead, he was left with few resources. Now he needed people to help him in his mission. He needed an organization. They had managed to more than double their strength since the fall, but he needed more, more resources to extend the influence of the new state— "'He'd work with the surrounding communities like the politicians have, "'give them what they want until he was strong enough to enforce dominion. "'Then he would naturally absorb them into what would become the new nation. "'With a single friendly bark,' Maisie raised her head towards the window and alerted the general to the arrival of a vehicle outside. He saw the approach of his captain from the front parking area. Brent was a good man, a hard worker, and honest. His sense of duty was strong, but his faith was weak. The general knew that would change. Brent had a natural likability that made him a good ambassador. He would be a big help bringing more people into the fold. As Maisie thumped her tail, the general rose from his chair and turned to greet his man. (laughs) ¶¶
2: can you believe we're already at episode nine nine episodes into season four holy cow and and we are almost to the end of 2023 so here in the united states we just had our thanksgiving holiday and i know this is a confusing holiday for people who aren't from here so i'll give you a little a little refresher our thanksgiving holiday this is a peculiar american holiday but of course It has its roots in the traditional harvest festivals that humans have been doing for over 10,000 years or more, ever since they made the transition to farming, from hunting and gathering and snoozing in the sun. So Thanksgiving is when they did that thing, so they're thanking their gods, right, or God, for all the extra stuff that they grew that wasn't eaten by the vermin. Thanksgiving is part of the American Foundation myth, our mythos, and it is specifically associated these days with New England, where I live. The Pilgrims showed up in Plymouth, Massachusetts, in December of 1620, which is about 40 to 50 miles from where I live, and the Pilgrims were a bunch of ultra-religious outcasts from, from England. I think their their faith may have overridden their common sense, because December is not a great time to land in Massachusetts. It's pretty cold. It's pretty miserable. But to their credit, they were aiming for Virginia and missed by a few hundred miles. You know, they must have forgotten to update their Google Maps before they left. Probably had really bad cell phone coverage back then. So they got to Massachusetts. And it's not too much of a stretch, to see an apocalypse story in this, right? It's very much like the apocalypse. 102 of them set out from England. 52 of them survived the first year, which sounds terrible, right? Half of them died. But it was way better than the earlier colony we had down in Jamestown, Virginia, that started in 1609. They lost 90% of their numbers to diseases. So let that be a lesson to all of you considering following a radical religious cult to a foreign land. It just might get you a shallow grave in a strange place, far from home. So it turns out there were already people living in Massachusetts. Yeah, the Wampanoag, the Native Americans, but things weren't going so great for them either. It was very apocalyptic for them. A series of European plagues had wiped out a big chunk of the population in the Americas. Like 90%. In fact, the place that the pilgrims chose to set up their new little town was on top of an abandoned Wampanoag village. And it was abandoned because everyone died. So getting back to Thanksgiving in the apocalypse, I guess you could say Thanksgiving is an apocalyptic holiday. So that first fall, after they survived the summer, in 1621, 50 or so of these surviving pilgrims, they sat down, they're going to have their harvest celebration, right? Thank their gods, their angry, strict gods. And anyhow, as they're about to tuck into some yummies, the local Wampanoag chief, Massasoit, he shows up with 90 people and says, hey, we're here for the party. Talk about awkward. Well, the pilgrims invited them in, and they all drank beer, They watch football on TV. And, you know, Thanksgiving remained a big holiday since then. But really, it didn't. It was a local holiday until the Civil War. Uh, The southern states pushed back against any effort to nationalize it. Then there was the Civil War, and Abraham Lincoln said, hey, you guys don't get to vote anymore. It's a national holiday. He declared it as a uh, national day of thanks. And then... The next thing that happened was FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, one of our presidents, he moved it to November, the fourth Thursday of November, to give people more time to shop, which is, you have to admit, very American. Let's make sure all our holidays have some commercial benefit. And that's where we are today. The only notable new tradition happened with Kennedy, John F. Kennedy. Traditionally, the turkey industry, because, you know, everything has to be commercial. They had been giving a free bird to the president to cook and eat on Thanksgiving. Well, JFK didn't like the optics. He didn't like the look of murdering turkeys, especially when confronting nuclear Armageddon with the Soviets. So he started this cute tradition of pardoning the presidential turkeys. And by the way, the pardoned turkeys, they get sent to live out their lives in Minnesota, which... If you think New England winter weather is bad, you've never been to Minnesota. But I would be missing an opportunity if I did not express my thanks to all of you apocalyptic survivors who have deigned to spend your time with us here. Thank you very much. I am thankful. I am grateful. You can thank me by contributing directly to the show. There are lots of ways to do this. Just look in the links in the show notes or visit my website at oldmanapocalypse.com. At the very least, you can use the mysterious power of the internet by liking, rating, sharing, mentioning those shows in your posts. Say, hey, this is cool. Go listen to this. It's all it takes. Pretty easy. We are a word of mouth enterprise, so we need your mouth and the words that come out of it to spread the word, you know, by mouth. So what is Chris watching these last couple of weeks? Well, I have been sampling a zombie show on Prime called In the Flesh from the BBC. And it's got a different take on the zombie apocalypse. The reanimated, the zombies, are treated and returned to society. But society doesn't necessarily want them returning, right? So there's a bunch of drama there. And it is very British. It's heavy on the drama, heavy on the character, light on the action. Which may be your cup of tea. See what I did there? But it's very heavy-handed with the metaphors. And it's also super depressing. So, I don't know. I also watched the latest season of Upload, which I guess you could call dystopian comedy. It was a bit interesting in the first season. But after the novelty of the device wears off, neither the characters nor the story have enough depth to carry it forward. What is Chris reading? Well, now, I actually have been... I got a bunch of books going. I've been reading several books at the same time, which is a thing I do. But this week on Facebook, I was reminded of a great book that I need to tell you about. I read this a few years back. It's called The Forever War by Joe Halderman from 1974 and it plays with the science of time dilation in space travel and it does it very well meaning the soldiers that are traveling and fighting in these space battles at relativistic speeds experience only a fraction of the time that passes on Earth Earth while they are gone so every time they come back from a mission Earth has jumped into the future for them And it's very interesting. So, really well written. Interesting military space fiction. If you like that genre, give it a read. Great book. There are also two sequels, uh, two sequel books in the same universe. And I will say, though, that if you are a person who buys holiday gifts this time of year, find a local used bookstore and buy everyone on your list a box of used books. Now, I want to live in a world with used bookstores, local used bookstores, so go patronize them. Books are a great gift. If the apocalypse comes, you can build a protective wall with them. They're good at stopping bullets. You can burn them for heat or just, you know, have something to read while you wait out the end of the world in your backyard bunker. Uh, I haven't been making any progress on my book publishing project. No excuses, just distracted, just busy. For those of you binge listening through, take a moment and connect with us. Tell us your thoughts and your your progress. We've got four hundred and thirty three members on our Facebook group. If, is now 434. I had to pause because Jason didn't answer the challenge questions, and I had to send him a message and see if he was a real person or a robot. Don't be like Jason. Answer the challenge questions. Come say hi on Facebook. We're swapping around a lot of photos right now, a lot of, like, AI-generated apocalypse photos, so it's kind of cool, and old science fiction book covers. That's my other favorite thing right now. You can shoot me an email or leave a comment on our website. It'll get to me. All the links are in the show notes. Let's all remember to give thanks for the wonderful community we have here. And while you're hiding in your bunker, eating the last scraps of turkey from an expired can, hoping you don't die of botulism, remember, it could be worse. So keep surviving.